0: And here we go, the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral podcast. Of course, my name is Eddie Cohn. I am the host, creator of The Spiritual Spiral. Excited for today's episode. I'm always excited when I get to connect with somebody that I went to college with, of course. So Darren Campbell is today's guest. He was on the show actually probably about eight, nine months ago when Kobe Bryant passed away in January. Darren's really into sports. And I also think raising three children uh he's He's living in Austin, Texas right now. He used to live in l a but he's a big sports fan, but I, I also think raising three children during this day and age is is really challenging. You know the the focus of my show is about technology and the impact of social media. So I felt compelled to reach out to Darren again and talk to him about a little bit about sports, about agendas. It does feel as though. A lot of powerful conglomerates out there are using this virus to benefit themselves. And I'm going to, report, I'm going to record another podcast actually about it this evening that will only be available to my uh, subscribers. Again, you can find me www.patreon.com www.patreon, backslash Eddie Cohn, where you can subscribe to the show. Uh, You'll be able to listen, even if you're not a subscriber, you'll be able to listen to this whole episode with Darren. But I have been wondering if this world that we live in now, combined with the huge corporate agendas going on, political agendas, societal agendas, it, it does feel as though people are thinking more about themselves and so we talk about that, and and again, it's 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 almost like it's just first of all, potentially it's Darwin, just you know, survival of the fittest. But it, it feels like we have to think about ourselves more than ever right now. And social media and technology is is making us even more tunnel vision than ever, and more myopic. So it, it's a very challenging world to navigate now and I'm trying to figure it out and I think one way to figure it out is to have these conversations it doesn't have to be on a podcast can just be face to face with your friends but I really this is the other uh, area that Darren and I talk talk about this idea of creating a community and I think social media wants you to think that you're building a community on social media but it it falls flat emotionally and we need that human to human interaction to feel whole so we talk a lot about that today, and you can find, you know, actually, Darren's more active on Twitter, so you can find Darren on Twitter, at Darren S. Campbell. I'm always intrigued to talk with somebody who works in marketing, because I feel like everybody is a self-promoter now, thanks again to the complicated world of tech and social media. So so I hope you enjoy today's conversation with Darren. Um, I always appreciate you guys taking the time to listen to the show. If you enjoy the show, head over to iTunes, please give it a review, give it a five star. And I am going to be releasing some podcast episodes that are only for subscribers. So if you want to subscribe, head over to IamEddieCohn.com or just head over directly to Patreon.com backslash where you can become a subscriber and subscribe to exclusive content only for subscribers. So that's it. A lot of podcasts coming up over the next few weeks. I've already recorded a bunch. I have, to, I have to edit them all. So that's what my weekend's going to entail. So as always, thanks to you for listening, supporting, and being a part of the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral podcast.
1: things in california these days
0: you know it's funny i was thinking the last time we talked um boy it was, it was very different than how it is
1: right now yeah so that was right after the kobe kobe Bryant. so was that january february
0: yeah like around that time or so yeah
1: yeah that is wild you know lots changed since then
0: the air quality isn't good today just because of all the fires in California. Um right. you know, it's weird, like there's this strange energy out here. Sorry, I'm just turning one thing off. And I've been talking to a lot of my friends about this who were in the entertainment industry and actors, um, mm-hmm. and a lot of people are leaving. And if you think Leaving California? Yeah, they're leaving Los Angeles. I mean, first of all, it's it's expensive out here and, you know, that sure. that draw to come out here and pursue acting and writing and being in film, mm-hmm. you know, the, like the the entertainment industry is, is done right now. Yeah. And well, wow. yeah, and I start to think also I I can't suspect that movie theaters are going to be around um, so I, what's it like in Texas? Is, is it still shut down? What's what's the latest there?
1: I wouldn't say it's shut down. Um, and it varies, again, probably like California per city. But overall, um, many things are open. Um, you know, it's interesting. Some restaurants you'll drive by and you'll see pretty packed parking lot. Um, The bars are still closed. I think the governor hasn't allowed bars to open up, reopen. And, you know, for Austin, that's sort of a a huge deal because we have a really I mean, you know, with South by Southwest, we got a pretty used to have a pretty vibrant uh, local music scene. And all of these venues and bars that are downtown, of course, with the university here as well. I mean, those were, you know, packed night and day and they're just empty right now so there there are definitely things like that um but overall i would say you know i mean it's probably <laughs> more open than a lot of places yeah so
0: it's you know we can there's a lot i want to talk about but i'm going to do my best to condense this because i know sure it's late over there
1: well oh, i'm i'm a night owl you don't need to worry yeah, about that's that. true.
0: You're, you've taken. You've had like. You've had like five red bulls today.
1: <laughs> you know, th- this
0: is the thing I've been really thinking about, and I'm just I'm just going to cut right to it here. I've been thinking a lot of lately about consequences, mm-hmm. and I, I know this may. People may think I'm, you know, conservative or or a conspiracy theorist. I've I've realized something the last like ten days,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and this is where I'm at. I I believe there is a virus. Now whether mm-hmm. whether China intentionally released it or not, we'll never know. Mm-hmm. Right. I think something happened here pharmaceutical companies combined with the media combined with politicians combined with potentially Jeff Bezos, Mark Zuckerberg, I don't know if this was all collectively decided or if they all had their own personal agendas, but they right. they saw an opportunity to pursue their agendas and make whatever they want to have happen. I right. don't I I don't think they thought it was going to get this far, but Human beings are so triggered by fear of dying, Mm -hmm. fear of the unknown, and multiply that with the 24-7 news, fake news, social media opinions... Mm-hmm. I don't think any of them wanted schools to be closed. I don't think any of them wanted the lockdown that we've had. And cause but when you have all of these agendas coming together at once, combined with what I just said about the news, social media, people's attention spans, not being able to get behind anything, I think now this is this is why we are where we're at. Yeah. What what do you think?
1: Uh, There's a lot there to unpack, but I would say I agree with you. I mean, you probably crystallized it for me better than I could articulate it. Um, I definitely think that there, you know, I try to be when I when I approach news and social media, I try to always come at it from the perspective of I want to listen to what they're saying and then I want to try to kind of poke holes in it like, okay, you know, who's who benefits from this message, um, who has an agenda behind it, you know? And, and so again, I don't know that any of us can be <laughs> purely objective in any way. We all come to everything with our own set of lenses and biases, but you know, when you start to see the censorship we've seen, yeah, you know, I mean, just the example of the hydrochloroquine, I mean, to me, I don't know if the drug works or not. I don't know if, you know, it is a viable treatment for COVID-19. But to me, that should be a conversation between me and my doctor. And that should be available to him or her if they want to prescribe it. And when you see an immediate censorship of doctors that are saying, hey, this is working for us, it's working in other countries. And, and I mean, it's just shut down immediately. You know, I mean, there and that's just one example. But when you see that you know i start to that raises my the hairs on my neck you know and i think okay what's going on like what do they not want the powers that be whoever that is the pharmaceutical companies the politicians why do they not want this out there i mean who is that a threat to and so i think you know it's really really interesting and and just to to piggyback on one thing you said at the very beginning you said conspiracy theorists and i wanted to just talk about that term for a minute you know i started looking into it so it, just fyi i studied uh, communications and some of the classes that i took in graduate school were rhetoric so we, we looked at the foundations of speech and studied plato and all of that sort of thing uh, basically you know kind of getting down to the root of words and what they mean so that because words frame you know they frame our reality and so the term conspiracy theorist is an interesting one Someone claimed recently that it was created by the CIA in the 60s to discredit anyone who had questions about the Warren Commission's report on the JFK assassination. Okay, That's not entirely true. The term had been around since the 1890s. However, what is true is that the CIA brought it into the mainstream, and they did use it in that way. They did use it anyone who questioned the Warren Commission, you know, their report, which, I mean— I know it's ancient history now, but that report was completely bogus and, and even subsequent committees that have studied it have even admitted that. Um, so they use that term. And I think that, Eddie, what we see a lot of times when there's anything that goes against the status quo, anything that goes against what the message that the people in power want you to hear, they, they dismiss it as conspiracy theory. And that tells other people, oh, I don't need to pay attention to this that's just some nut job who's in his basement with a tinfoil hat, you know, but there's truth there, you know, and, and I think we need to listen and pay attention to those things. So anyway, I, I couldn't really frame it any better than you did just now. And I would just say the things that have alarmed and really caused me to pay attention in recent weeks are, the heavy heavy censorship of different things and you're seeing it go on right now with the whole um, What's the group called the Q and group? I don't oh, know. If yes, you know, I, uh-huh I've looked into it a little bit. I don't claim to be an expert on it at all but I just noticed that uh, I think there were Facebook removed a whole bunch of these groups and and you know, they're shutting down everything and so again, that piques my interest and it makes me think okay, what are they saying over here that is so dangerous? What is so dangerous that we can't have access to it? And, you know, I mean, just I'll shut up and let you ask your next question, but one, one other thing here. Yeah. My youngest brother, um, he lived in, he taught English when he graduated from college, he taught English at a university in China for nearly eight years. Um, He was an English teacher there in the university, conversational English, and the stories he had about people following him home, about his phones being tapped, about he would come back to his apartment and things would be moved and he knew someone was in there. I mean, all kinds of stuff, you know, that, you know, it's kind of scary. And we (laughs) we as his family were like, you know, maybe find a job elsewhere. And he eventually did. But I think about that a lot when I think about when I start hearing these stories and I start seeing the censorship and all these other things. I think, you know, could it happen here? Are we moving down that road? Um, it's, it's concerning. I mean, there are definitely people out there in power who have an agenda. And I think we, we can agree on that. And I'm like you, I don't know whether this virus was intentional or not, but I don't trust China at all i don't trust what they've told us publicly i don't trust their motives i mean i think we can i'm not against the chinese people i don't i want to say that um, affirmatively i believe there are a lot of good chinese people i don't trust the chinese government
0: you know and it's not like i'm scrolling the internet for hours and um Sure. And um ruminating over this twenty four seven. I have a life that I have to live. <laughs>
1: right, right. <laughs> you
0: know, much like a lot of people. So I, I but I not that the life that I had before this was was perfect and not that the world was perfect here in America. There was certainly their share our share of problems. But I, I I just I think we've taken a turn here. Mm-hmm. Um, where I don't see us coming back, and and, and I know that's a dystopian, um, draconian sort of comment to make, but but New York and Broadway is is just boarded up. It's a ghost town. It's literally a ghost town. Right. Um, people are leaving the big cities. What's going on in Portland and Seattle right now is is crazy, and the media doesn't want you to know about what's going on. They're not reporting it. No. I, I just don't think people were thinking big picture at all I, I you can't just and again i i think it, the proof is in the pudding you can't just tell people to stay home you, right. you know the way that our world has has evolved over the last hundred years to where it is four months ago you can't suddenly based on a capitalistic world you know the vast majority of people don't have savings you know the vast majority of people aren't working at charles schwab making a hundred to five hundred thousand dollars a year and get stock options i mean you know people the the government is is in this cloud where they're still getting paid even though they tell everybody to stay home Mm -hmm. and my concern is is I guess I talk about it and think about it because I guess I lament a little bit here that, that the, and, and I, I adjust and I, I, I move and go with the tide. And, and cause I think you're sort of being a little naive if you don't, but sure. That world that we had before, I, I, I just, I think it's gone.
1: Well, I definitely think it's, it's going to be different. And, and, um, I mean, yeah, I mean, you brought some good examples, you know, New York, LA, the entertainment industry, um, Broadway, uh, you know, I'm a part of several kind of entrepreneur groups on social media. I mean, that's really the only reason I'm still on Facebook is just to belong to some of these groups. And it's really, really interesting. You know, a lot of these guys that started companies and different things or, or, you know, are venture capitalists. I mean, they all live, a lot of them live in New York. a lot of them have left or are planning to leave. They're open about it. You know, they're moving to the South. They're moving to, um, you know, North Carolina, other places, Texas. You know, it's it's I think it's going to change New York and L.A. for sure. I mean, San Francisco as well. You know, what's going to happen with all of those tech workers that have been will work from home for over a year, probably? Are they ever going to want to go back and pay the rent in San Francisco? No. I mean, Silicon Valley? I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. And so, yeah, it's going to change a lot of things. I think the thing that's most disturbing to me because it hits close to home is just the this – I'll call it an addiction. I think, there, I think there are people right now who become addicted to the fear. Oh, and absolutely. They've been, they've been fed this fear from day one. They – They soothe themselves every day by consuming more and more of it, and unfortunately, I have family members that that applies to, and man, it is just sad, you know? I mean, uh, my family and I, I mean, we try to be responsible, so, you know, whatever your opinion on masks are, I mean, there's varied opinions out there. I. I don't have a strong opinion one way or the other. I do what's asked of me. So if the store says you need to wear a mask, I'll wear a mask. I'm fine with that. We're out. I mean, my boys played baseball all summer. They'll be doing sports this fall. Our school will hopefully go back here in a couple of weeks um, to in-person learning. And so, you know, but I have family members that kind of think we're crazy. I mean, you know, um, someone close to me, you know, thinks that... I mean they're pretty much locked down still. Yeah. And and I don't you know, I never want to judge someone else and, and their situation, but it's hard to find some common ground because they've just become addicted to the fear. And that's what scares me, man. That's I see people on next door and other places, you know, neighbors and things that that express things like that and, and that's what worries me.
0: Well, I was watching a couple more things um, about this area, but you keep bringing up things that makes me want to go down to the rabbit holes. But I, <laughs> That's all right. but I was watching a, a show called Waco on mm. Netflix, and one of the characters were saying, was saying, you can get a man, I mean, obviously, or a woman, uh, but he just said man on the show, to get anything, to, to, to do anything um, from, from fear. Yeah. And I think it has really here, there's two things that I think have have gone on here. I think I was thinking about subscription services like Netflix and Spotify mm-hmm. and Disney Plus. I think it's somehow made people lazy. And mm-hmm. I'll tell you why. And you know this will connect to the fear point. It's 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 easy to just Spend $12 a month and just and have an algorithm feed you what you mm-hmm. think you're going to enjoy. Mm-hmm. And Spotify, you're gonna pay your $9.99, they're gonna you know everything's on there, everybody's gonna send or the, the algorithm's gonna send what they think you want. You have all these companies that are giving you all this information. Right. And so those the brain doesn't have to proactively search or explore Mm -hmm. even i was thinking like the film critic and the movie critic i remember you know picking up rolling stone to read peter travers Mm -hmm. to like read peter travers because i always thought he was a good reviewer now people just look at a number on rotten tomatoes and it's like Mm -hmm. if it's if it's 80 or higher i guess i'll go Mm -hmm. so i i think all of this has trained people to just like not give a damn and just sort of like, okay, yeah. I'll just, I'll just stay home and, you know, sit on my couch. And so you couple that laziness with the media's nonstop fear mongering going on. Mm-hmm. And again, you've got yourself a perfect storm where they literally have got people <laughs> in the palm of their hands doing right. really whatever they want you to do.
1: Right. Uh, that's an excellent point. I hadn't thought of it in terms of subscription services, but I think you're right. In you know, we live in such an on demand world now. You know, I mean, um, everything is instantaneous, it's fed to us. You know, um, what was that movie? I'm trying to remember. I think it was, might have been Minority Report or mm-hmm. something, where, you know, the guy's walking past and there's all the ads that just appear on the electronic billboards that are personalized to him, feeding him information as he walks by. And, you know, I mean, you think of things like that that seem so far into the future when we watch those. And now it's like, man, that that stuff kind of happens already. I mean, you know, I look at something on, you know, Amazon and boom, it po- pops <laughs> up on Facebook, you know, and yeah. um, the algorithm is really an interesting point you made because it. It does. It it stops us from using our own critical thinking. Yep. And it feeds us what they want us to see. Yep. You know. And I say that <laughs> shamelessly as a marketer. I mean, this is what I do: is we study the Google algorithm to help our clients get in front of more people who will buy their products. So I understand how it works. But when you take it and use it in a nefarious way, like it's been done, now it's now you've weaponized it. You know, I mean, there's one thing about selling to people, you know, in my mind, at least, there's one thing about selling to people, but there's a whole other thing when you're curating what they can and can't see, you know, we don't want to show you that we're going to show you this. And, you know, and that's, that's where I get concerned. But you see Facebook doing it. You see Google doing it. Um,
0: Well, and that's the thing, I think. You know, people will say to me, Eddie, you know, this this type of advertising has been happening for years. And, sure. you know, there's been billboards and commercials in the television and I get it. But I think now with the algorithms and social media, mm-hmm. they, they are really reshaping. They, they are moving the culture. And, right. and and that to me is what's scary. And and you know Mark Zuckerberg, I, I don't know too much about him. I'll, I I should probably do more research, but I've heard some stories about him. But I I I'm I just you know it. This this world of ours is it's it's strange going outside and people getting in fights over masks. And, <laughs> and and again, you know, this whole six feet distance thing that Dr. Fauci talks about and the masks. I mean, I'm telling you, um, couples that, that obviously aren't married, less people are having sex I read articles in the Atlantic and New York Times where people don't want to have kids anymore right now because why wow. have why have a child and bring them up in this world? So I my next question for you specifically is I'm I'm curious because I, I forget how old your, your kids are, but how did like how are they reacting? And how obviously you can't possibly have any experience of how to parent a kid, how to deal with a pandemic, because I mean, how has that been? And then are they going to go to school or are they going to be homeschooled again I just this the consequence of just telling kids oh you're mm-hmm. going to be homeschooled for the next like year or and a lot of kids don't have computers who are poor right it, it's just so how has it personally been for you and your children
1: um a yeah, great question it's you know I, I'm, I'm proud I've got three boys and uh one of them's young he's he's only four so you know my four I tell my wife and I kind of joke about it you got to find levity anywhere you can these days we sort of joke around that um the quarantine earlier this year like my four-year-old and my dog were living their best life you know because they had constant attention we were always there um so you know I mean but for my older two yeah so they you know all the schools shut down in March spring break no one ever went back um And it was interesting when that happened. I don't know if you remember or not, but it was, Oh, we're going to shut down for two weeks to slow the spread. You know, we just want to prevent the hospitals from getting overrun, you know, and, and we kind of, my wife and I looked at each other back then. And even, even back then we were like, no, this, that's not going to be the case. But, um, so how do you parent in this? I mean, what we've tried to do is give our kids community any way we can. And so we found other parents that um, sort of had a similar outlook as us. Hey, we want to be safe. We, you know, we know there's a real virus, but we also have been careful and we want our kids to have community. And so hmm. uh, my boys had some friends over and they went over to friends' houses. We were some of the only people at one time that I knew that were doing that. You know, So it felt a little bit like maybe we were rebels or something, but we just felt like it was the best thing for them. Um, And then this summer I would say one of the best things we did luckily our governor allowed sports leagues to play So both of my older two boys were on baseball teams. They got to practice every week They had friends on their teams. They played tournaments every weekend and that was really really good for our entire family Because it got us out of the house. It got us around other people Um, It just felt normal, you know, we tried to give them as much normalcy as we could But, you know, there's a lot of things. Normally we try to give them a lot of options during the summer of things to do. And man, there was just not a lot to do this summer. There just wasn't a lot of places you're able to go. And so we would just have to kind of find anywhere we could that, Hey, we haven't gone to explore this park before, you know, there's some cool trails there or, um, you know, things like that. My, both my boys got into fishing, which was kind of cool. We have a Creek near our house. So we started doing that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, th- will they go back to school? Yes, we're, we're hoping so. Um, our school has said that they are giving parents the option so you can keep your kids home or you can send them back. My hope is that our kids will be able in three weeks to go back. And uh, our school has said that they did us, you know, they did sign ups. And about half the parents are wanting to send their kids back. The other half are going to keep them home this semester. So. You know, I think that's you know, any when I talk to people that I feel like are reasonable and haven't been duped into this fear, um, this sort of fear, just haze or whatever you want to call it. When I talk to people who I think you know actually critically think and ask questions and things, you know, most of the folks I talk to are pretty reasonable. I mean, they're not. There's this stereotype out there. I think of oh, if you're not completely locked down, you don't want to wear a mask, and you're a Trump supporter, and You know, you want to kill my grandma and all this stuff. And, man, those are just those are just tropes. I mean, those are just false. They're false, um, you know, allegories that people have made up. You know, there are a lot of reasonable people out there who want to protect their neighbor, but they also want to live their life. They want to remain open in their business. They want their kids to have community, you know, and they want to do it safely. So, and and that's the, you never hear that voice, you know, I mean, all you hear is these extremists on either side. And and I think that's part of the social media. And we've talked about this in past conversations, but that is really the biggest danger. And, and for me, a disappointment in that the loudest voices on social media are the extreme fringes.
0: Well, again, it does feel like the algorithms somehow, somehow get those voices to always rise to the top. Because this conversation that you and I are having, it's just these this type of conversation can't exist on social media where I'm actually, you know, pausing and thinking about what you're saying and how that affects me and where my brain goes. It's just the the problem is, is that the vast majority of people are spending more time DMing and commenting. And that's that that carries over to the real life. And that is where we are at an all-time high in depression and anxiety. Mm -hmm. And you bring up this this point of community. And um, I I think to myself, you know, we went to Mammoth Mountain a couple weeks ago, Mm. you know, went mountain biking. And I swear, when I was on that mountain and biking down and making sure I don't, like, run into a tree and stuff, you know, (laughs) like, I feel great. My mind is free Mm-hmm. And and you know the world in the media just wants everybody to to stay home, and and <sighs> that that is not an answer for for good health. And and I right. I know somehow they've they've turned it in this way where if if you don't stay home, you're not supportive of your neighbor, you're selfish. Um, but no, it, it you're gonna have a world of anxiety and depressed people who are gonna like I read suicide is higher than it's been yeah. this year than ever. So right, you, you know you can't just Again, you're thrown into a situation that you might not be prepared for to begin with, but you can't just prioritize. You're kind of thinking about some people, but really, you're actually not thinking about all these other people that are killing themselves and, right. and becoming more addicted to, to pain pills or drugs. It's, it's, it's a no-win
1: situation. Yeah, it's very selective. You know, what what you said about the suicide and depression hits close to home. I mean, my wife is a practicing licensed professional counselor. And she sees she sort of has a unique niche in that she sees a lot of teenagers and a lot of kids. And a lot of counselors don't want to see teenagers or kids because they're more difficult clients. You know, they oftentimes will lie to you or won't tell you Mm -hmm. exactly what's going on. I mean, the basis of therapy is that you want to get better, you know, and so a lot of times that's a challenge with teenagers and kids. Anyway, I say all that to say, she started getting calls the first few weeks after the pandemic broke, and I mean, she has more business right now than she's had in the yeah. last five years, probably. Yeah. Um, and, you know, she can't tell me about the clients, obviously, it's it, that's top secret stuff, but it's, it's, it's interesting too, she does some phone counseling, but there were a lot of people that were like, we really need our child or our teenager to see someone in person. Yeah. And, you know, so we figured out a way to make that work because, you know, we just figured this was too important. Uh, these people are hurting and, you know, some of them don't know where else to turn. Um, you know, my son, one of my sons has a friend who basically was locked in his house, you know, up until about a week ago. I mean, wasn't even really allowed to go outside. And you know he was really concerned about his friend that you know he was he was pretty depressed, you know and I just again i I don't think these are bad parents, I think they're just scared, and I think they bought into the fear paranoia
0: I'm a huge basketball fan you know mm-hmm. and and I don't want to sound like a party pooper here, but <laughs> I have to say, I I am just I I I watched my first NBA game. Or not, that's not true. I think I tried to watch one a couple weeks ago, and I'm like, this this is this is here's okay. Here's my point. At first. These, these new advancements, these new devices, these phones, this, subscription, at first, or like TikTok or emojis, at first, you know, we start to use them. And we don't like fully adopt it. Or we don't like, oh, this is silly. This is stupid. I'd rather talk to Darren than send him an emoji. Mm-hmm. But then right. before you know it, like a, a week goes by or a month goes by and then all of a sudden using emojis all the time and not talking actually um feels feels right. And I I don't I don't care about talking to people anymore. I'm actually more comfortable in enjoying emojis as opposed to talking. So like the the human brain sort of like just gets used to these new things that come into our life. And I was thinking as I watched the NBA, there's fake fan noise there's mm-hmm. there's fake people and then there's advertisements on the floor, of course, for like healthcare companies and Disney Plus because they know everybody's scared and everybody's home.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: and I'm I'm saying to myself, are people going to get? And I'm kind of glad that the ratings for the NBA have been terrible because I'm yeah. th- I'm thinking to myself, are people going to get used to this? And then I'm realizing how important fans actually are to the energy of a game it is like watching a flat line as I yeah. it, of course there are those moments of Damian Lillard like hits a shot from half court and of course LeBron is, you know is, is still LeBron but overall it's like this like I'm watching just a dead flat line energy and and it just makes me feel like I have no interest
1: Oh man, you, you're you're hitting me close to home. Yeah, I mean, you you and I both we've talked sports for years, and I know you're a big sports fan as I am too. And it is it it's it's a disappointing experience. Um, you know, so as a let's say the NBA as a Lakers fan, or maybe you're a Bucks fan, or whatever, these teams that worked so hard in the regular season to get home court advantage, that's gone. Yeah, it's gone right now. So I mean in some ways I'm trying to look at, I'm trying to be optimistic. Okay. Well, maybe this is a, you know, a real, a new challenge for teams, but yeah, there's no home court advantage for anyone. And, uh, that it kind of stinks because man, you know, I mean, I love like back, back when the Kobe Lakers were playing the Celtics and, you know, we'd go into Boston garden or they'd come into Staples and there was just that energy and that, you know, the hatred for the other team and the, it's just all gone right now.
0: Um, yeah. And, and, you know, on the one hand, I admire Adam Silver for some, mm-hmm. for somehow getting this to, to work. I mean, again, this whole, quote unquote, bubble makes me want to puke because the irony is, is that everybody is like living in their own little bubble right now. And, it's, right. and, the, and when I see the masks on the screen, I like it's almost like it's subconsciously it's just weird, I almost feel like, and I, I've never been to China and I've never lived in a communist country. but you know how like the things you watch subconsciously mm-hmm. play into your brain and it makes you feel like it's a reality, and and I feel like that's going on. It's almost right. like it's almost like they wanted to bring this NBA back so that they could c- conti- could continue to subconsciously persuade people to believe that this is the world that we live in. I know it's yeah. crazy to think that way, but it's it just it feels like this weird version of the Truman Show or something.
1: Right. So do you think do you think that um, like, let's say, Major League Baseball and NHL and the NFL is going to start up, you know, supposedly this fall? Do you think that all of these sports will be changed forever or do you think we'll get back at a point to where it was before?
0: I, I first of all, if if this all goes away in November or December, then we all know that this was all about the election. So right. I, I think a few months needs to need to pass. Um, I mean, I, I have friends that are that tour with major bands around the world, and they're saying the touring industry might not get up until twenty twenty two. Wow. Um, I mean, I I don't know when people are going to collectively feel comfortable to sit shoulder to shoulder next to somebody at a sporting event. I I Mm -hmm. just, I don't know when that's going to happen. It it, it could, I wouldn't be surprised if it happened in six months and I wouldn't be surprised if it didn't happen for 15 years.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. You, and I wonder too, if it's going to vary again, it, it seems like a lot of this varies depending on where you live in the country.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: unfortunately the politics of it, I mean, I've got friends in Florida that, I mean, their life is pretty normal right now. They, they're doing everything they did before pretty much. And, you know, and we're, we're sort of halfway here in, in Texas, um, you know, and then I hear about friends that live in other places that are really still pretty locked down. And so I just wonder, how does that come into play here, too? You know, how does the geography of, well, I mean, take college football, for example. Big 10, Pac-12 say they're not playing. Big 12, ACC, SEC say we're, we are playing. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's crazy. It's like, you know, where you live determines sort of what you're able to do. And, and that, to me, is a big sign that, OK, something is going on here. I mean, if this were a true pandemic that was threatening the existence of every American, there would not be this wide variation of the ability to be, you know, call it freedoms, if you will, this wide variation of, of how free you can be. So, you know, I, I guess going back to your original point, it. I still don't have answers to it, but there's definitely agendas at play. And I don't know if it's one big agenda or if it's many different agendas, but I am going to be very interested, like you just said, how is this all going to play out after the election's over? You know, is there going to be magically, oh, the numbers are so good now, we can magically go back to the way we were before? Is there going to be a push for this national vaccine that everyone has to take? You're going to go back to work or fly on a plane, you know? I'm curious. I want to see what what happens because I do think there are a lot of agendas at play, and um, it's going to be interesting to see once this is over. My problem when you have certain messages that are forced on people hmm. is people stop questioning it. You know, people don't people don't think critically anymore. They don't think to themselves, "Okay, I'm against." police brutality and I'm against systemic racism and I'm against police brutality against African Americans or any minority. I'm against that 1,000%. Oh, but the answer may not be to defund the police. The answer might be, we need to, you know, uh, retrain some of the police. We may need to set up different committees of, of you know, um, to hold them accountable or different things. But it's this society where we jump from one kind of battle cry to another, and no one questions it. That's a
0: great. No one asks a no, question. That's a great example. I just realized as you were talking, it's it's like we move from one extreme to the next, and one like little catchy uh, one little catchy slogan to sort of like mm-hmm. get people's attention, as opposed to really. I mean, I was listening to the Joe Rogan podcast maybe a month ago, and he had a therapist on. Uh, who deals with policemen or police police officers. And the first thing Joe Rogan said was, um, people don't realize how difficult their job is. Mm, and, and for sure. I mean, what they're dealing with every day. And again, by saying that, it's not that you're condoning what uh, that officer did to George Floyd at all, but I think we just right. need a little perspective here that it's... Po- I was thinking this the other day, just by me not having a good night's sleep my decision-making is not as good mm-hmm. as as it is when I get a full eight hours. And I know I function better between 8 a.m. and 12 noon. And then I also function well between like 4 and 6 p.m. So that's if I sleep well. But then you throw in, I had a couple drinks, or I smoked cigarettes all day, or I had a couple Red Bulls with some vodka, or I got into an argument with somebody Uh, Oh, I I, and then, you know, then the brain goes in these mysterious, unpredictable ways. And then God only knows. So that's what we're like. That is human nature. And we sort of forget all of that, that, um, you know, we aren't these perfectly stable beings that just always are are always good and know how to act and behave every moment of the day it's just not possible. And then you couple that with the fact that everybody has a phone and everybody loves to post something when you look like an asshole or an idiot. So that's every, that's what everybody just sort of sees and watches all day. We, we have lost all context with what, with how a human being um, behaves day to day.
1: Right. And, And part of the danger too, is this, what they call cancel culture. You know, it's this culture of social media activists where we want to, you know, basically find anyone we can who's behaving in a, you know, in a way that we disagree with, that we can, you know, cause them to lose their job or whatnot. Um, man, I'm not, I mean, I know you too. you know, you, you got a great heart. I mean, ne- neither one of us condo- condone racism in any form or fashion but I think back to like that Central Park um, occurrence where the lady had the dog and she.
0: I've recorded a podcast about it. Did
1: you? yeah? Okay, so yeah. you probably know more about it than I do. But I just I, my question in that situation was, how could this have been so much different if they had just put their phones away and talked to one another? I know that's if what I said. just said, you know, I, you know. I mean, the 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 woman. I think the Humane Society took her dog away. Her company fired her. Yep. I mean, I'm not condoning her behavior. Yeah, I mean, what she did was, you know, was purely despicable, but it's like we've lost any sort of grace for people to, you know, make a mistake or behave in a way that's bad. I mean, we we just want to, we, I'm saying we, I mean, cancel culture. They just want to label someone and cast them off, you know, and man, that's a dangerous society that i don't want to live in when we've lost the ability to forgive and to offer grace to one another and to and to realize that you know the person i was 5 months ago or 5 years ago is not the person i am today if you're one of the few people i I know right now who's putting content out on social media that I feel like is constructive and productive and helpful. Um, huh. Well, so I've thank- been
0: really, it's funny. I, I've been really, you know, I, I do think social media ultimately is bad. Mm-hmm. And as my cat is like um, howling in the background because <laughs> Again, I'm not, you know, like my grandparents or or my parents saying, you know, I remember the days when I used to walk uphill both ways and I didn't take the bus. And, I, you know, I'm not complaining and being mm-hmm. some old. I forgot um, the word, but I'm not being some, you know, old man just complaining. Um, I, I just I, I think art used to be better. Um, I think mm. I think there is value to being in a classroom and hearing other people's yes. uh, other people's opinions. Um, right. There's value to sitting around the dinner table without the phone and, and listening and talking and, and connecting. And I do think, and you brought up this word earlier, community, people subconsciously are thinking the community that they're building, whether they're aware of it or not on social media is, is a community. Um, mm. But it, it doesn't emotionally satisfy the same needs uh, mm-hmm. or desires as one wants to fulfill in a real life face-to-face community, whether it's a church group or, you know, being a part of a ball, right. ball game or a ballet school or something. So right. um, I, I do ultimately think that that social media has terrorized the world. Um, but yeah. I, I have sort of embraced IGTV a little bit because I get the sense that at least I can have a conversation with somebody on IGTV or talk mm-hmm. or talk for like 10 15 minutes where people get to see me actually as a real life human being and talk right. and but I just I feel like when you get into that world of sitting on the couch and just scrolling when you're just posting selfies of your whatever having a smoothie i mean that's primarily what people are doing and right. so that's that's what's troublesome to me uh and right. then I, and then i think about the teenagers that a friend of mine brought up this interesting point who's a therapist she said the problem with teenagers now is you know you're, you kind of have to be on all the time like if, if yeah. she brought up if somebody bullies you at school if somebody bullied you like 15 years ago, you know you could at least go home and and get a break. But now, right. but now like everybody has a phone, and then this bully could bully you on social media and call you an asshole. Right. And so you could literally be thinking about this stuff 24 seven, and I, and that's that's right. scary.
1: I tell you, as a parent, it's probably our greatest struggle, and it's just how much do you allow your kids to be logged in or online and um we i mean it is a struggle yeah um we we try to do that though very proactively because i mean we can see in our boys just a huge difference when they've been logged in to a screen for an hour even an hour two hours whatnot they're just different people and so um one of the things You reminded me of it again, you know, your question earlier about the pandemic and then what you just said, what are the lasting impacts of it? I think one of the things that has been cemented in my heart and mind through this is the value of face-to-face or what we're doing back and forth communication. It's invaluable. And we, so many people have been isolated. And so many people have, you know, used that isolation where now they're doing what you said, you know, they're posting pictures, selfies, they're spewing their opinions, political views, whatnot, and no one's listening to one another. No one's meeting up anymore and seeing how things are going, you know, and that to me is, that's something we're going to fight hard against in our family anyways. And that's something that we, we fight with our boys about No phones, TV, computers, all of it's off we're going outside. You're going to ride your bikes. You're going to throw the baseball. You're going to do something, play tag. I don't care. Um, and they're always happier when they do. They're yeah. always happier. They always come in enthusiastic, and um, you know, with, with energy and joy. And it's like, I got my kids back. And so, man, that is a struggle. And, um, I just, you know, again, kind of to close things up, but just I think there's agendas at play, but the way we're going to fight against it, at least in my little world, is we're going to try to find and and cultivate community any ways we can, especially for my kids. That means real, in-person, face-to-face interaction. And we'll be safe. We'll take precautions. We'll do what we need to do. But that's just not something I'm going to be willing to forsake or give up just because some doctor who wants to make billions off of a vaccine tells me to. I'm going to fight against that. That's going to be my civil disobedience. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Darren, man, it's always, always good to talk. I I'm so happy if, if anything from my podcast, I'm happy. It, it's, it's brought us back together and talking. Absolutely. And yeah. It's really great to see you and talk about, um, you know, I think really it's, I, I just, our time is limited. Um, we, we have to enjoy ourselves. You know, it's like Absolutely. this, I mean, I, I want to keep traveling and enjoy myself. And, and I, I feels like the world just wants everybody to just stay home for an eternity. And I, I just, I, I mean, I'm not trying to be disrespectful to other human beings. But, you know, before you know it, like, we're we're not here. So we have to enjoy ourselves as much as we can and still be reasonable.
1: Amanda's my wife Amanda, her 80-year-old or 80 almost 90, 89-year-old grandmother said something. And this is sort of the the quote of the pandemic for me. We were talking to her, couldn't couldn't see her in person for a long time. And she told Amanda in one conversation, she said, you know, being afraid to die is no way to live. Hmm. And man, that just hit me hard. I was like, that is so true. And I wish I could get that message to some of my other family members and people that I know are just stuck in this fear of dying paranoia, but that's something that has stuck with me. So we're trying to live by that.
0: Yeah. Well, Darren, um, really appreciate all the time you took. And, um, I, 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 I have a sense we'll, we'll do one of these again in a few months <laughs> when, good. when something weird is going on and we want to <laughs> talk about it, but I, I appreciate you chatting
1: with me. It's always good to see you. Always oh, good to see you too, Ed. Cool man. Good luck with everything. Good luck with the new album too.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm really excited. I'll. I'll send it to you when I'm done. I'm. I'm really. Awesome. I'm really excited by it. Well, cool man. I'll. Right. Uh, I'll see you on social media or in, or on person uh, sometime soon.
1: Sounds good. Later. Take kid. care.
0: Have a good night.